Hi, this is Fiona Horn, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. Welcome to Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast going over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. We are three episodes deep into Season 2 Celebrity Australian Survivor and we are back for another interview and we're very excited for this interview today. We've spoken to the first boot. We couldn't speak to the second boot because we don't know where he is. That's another story. But we've got the third boot from this season where we're going to learn everything from what she was doing out there to what she's doing now and everything else in between. I don't even want to take the honor of introducing her properly because I've got a man on the line right now who has been dying to introduce this lady to this show for quite some time. So I'm going to first of all say that my name is Ben Waterworth and hand it over to my esteemed colleague. Hi all. Hi Ben. As you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And Ben, I, I appreciate you allowing me to introduce our guest today because as you know, as all our listeners know, I did admit that that this lady was actually my teen crush back when when I was a teenager. I knew her as the White Witch uh, on shows like Beauty and the Beast with Stan Zamani. Um, And, of course, she ended up playing Australian Celebrity Survivor, and that's what we're here to talk about today. She's done so much. She's been a lead singer of a band called Def FX. She's got new books. She's written plenty of books, and we're here to talk to her about Survivor today. So I'm going to introduce you to none other than the white witch, Fiona Horn. Fiona, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> oh, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Ben. That's a lovely introduction. Well, very well done. I'm very flattered I was your teen crush. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, and, and, do you, and so Fiona, just to give you a quick little background. So I knew exactly, of course, who you were when, when you were on Celebrity Survivor, because you were, um, you know, on the screens a lot back then. I remember you had mm. the, the blonde hair, you had that, that earring under your lip, you had yeah, librette, librette piercing. Yes, yes, yeah. And I want to talk to you a bit more about that actually, because I was always, I always thought you, out of everyone that ever had that earring, you were perfect for it. You just suited it well. So I don't think you have it anymore. So we'll talk about that. No, it, call it a piercing. It's actually a piercing. Well, okay, not piercing. An earring. Piercing, piercing, true. Yeah, a librette piercing. Yeah. Come on, Matt. <laughs> and, um, you should know that. Yeah, and of course, I was a big fan of you back on the day when when you were on The Beauty and the Beast with Stan Zamanik. I used to, yeah. used to get home from school and I used to I loved watching that show. It was a great show to be a part of, to get to sit on a panel with so many, you know, wonderful Aussie women. And Stan was such a honey. He was I know he played the beast, but off camera he was the most delightful charming man and then for a while there we had Doug Mulray in um you know as Stan sometimes I know you know Stan rest rest his beautiful soul um but we when Doug came in it was really fun too um but Stan special place in all our hearts I actually forgot that Doug did he he took over didn't he from Stan he he did yeah and I did a few of them with Doug too he was he was a lot of fun a good sport we had a good laugh 
Look, honestly, I could I could sit here all day and talk to you about about, about Beauty and the Beast, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, but <laughs> we are here to talk to you about Survivor. But look, Fiona, just give us a bit of a background. Obviously, before Celebrity Survivor, you were in a band. But what what did you do leading up, I guess, to to become a celebrity and be on Australian oh. Survivor? Well, you know, in a nutshell, I was in a band called Deaf Effects from 1991 to 1997, and we had a pretty good run. We had a lot, I think we're the hardest touring band in Australia. We just toured nonstop for seven years. Our touring also took us over to America and American record deals and even songs that charted top 20 in the Billboard dance music charts. And, you know, we toured with No Doubt and Blink-182 opened for us and where we shared the stage with bands like Smashing Pumpkins and we did it, I think, almost every big day out from 91 to 97. Um, you know, my favourite big day out memories was, you know, Soundgarden, the Ramones, the Pumpkins, you know, Iggy Pop, Sonic Youth, Björk. I mean, we got to just, you know, do these incredible shows, big, 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 big events. And um, plus our own, you know, headlining gigs were amazing and our fans were just so wild and so much fun. We were, you know, it was an incredible seven years. Um, and then after that, when the band finished, um we uh, well, I started writing books about witchcraft because I'd kind of written songs that lent in my into my witchy uh, kind of life, my spiritual path. But uh, I came out of the broom closet, so to speak, in '97, and mm. my first book, Witch a Personal Journey, was published in 1998 by Random House, and it was a runaway bestseller. And by then, I was doing, you know, I was like Channel 9's girl. I had my own show, Party, on Channel Nine. I was um, a guest music host for Ground Zero on Channel Ten. I had two shows on Triple M. I was at Sunday Homegrown with Jason um, Sunday nights and I voiced the Planet Rock Top 20 countdown for a couple of years there. Um, so I was definitely a Triple One girl, Channel Nine girl, a Triple M girl, sorry, Channel Nine girl. Um, more books, you know, uh, I did a book a year. And then, you know, long story short, that all was just so big and and happening in Australia and um and then in 2000, uh, and also I had incredible management. I was with uh, Terry Blamey and Melissa Laguerre and Terry managed Kylie Minogue as well. So he was developing things overseas for me in the UK, which is how I got my UK deal. And I was so blessed to have such a wonderful management team. And uh, I don't think I realised at the time how lucky I was to have those kinds of people rallying and working with me. Um, and we all worked very hard and achieved amazing things. And I got to America and uh, I decided to move there in 2001 when my books came out there and then um, kind of let Australia sort of settle back a bit and I focused very much on working very hard based in Los Angeles and I ended up getting a big TV show there called Mad Mad House on the Sci-Fi Channel, another reality kind of show, but it was one of the very first of its kind and that was an extraordinary experience to do back in not, you know, around the same time I did Survivor. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember if I'd filmed Mad Mad House and then before it aired, I got the invite to come out to Australia because I also had amazing management in Australia by then. It was I'd, uh, Terry and Melissa and I had agreed we'd do go other ways because I was so in America and focused in America. And um, Jason Williamson came on board for me in uh, the early 2000s and um, he was the one that kind of got me into Survivor and all the opportunities around that. So there's me being my odd self running around, you know, doing everything Um writer, witch, musician, TV personality, radio host, rock star, rah, rah, rah. Everything, um, being very busy. But I was always very lucky to have great people kind of coordinating <laughs> snake, it behind the scenes. <laughs> snake handler. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I got my snake handling licence and there were a lot of things. Snakes, as a, as a witch, snakes are very spiritual uh, 
almost like a totem animal to me in that they represent the ancient goddess and there's a whole lot of, um, you know, myth, myth and metaphor and, and spiritual insight that comes with the, you know, understanding the, the uh, physical lives of snakes as well as there may be more spiritual aspects. So as, as humans would choose to experience. So, you talk but yeah, about- you know, so that's how it all happened and I got invited to go on Celeb- Celebrity Survivor. Yeah. Um, with that big C word in front of it. Um, and I'd never, I'd never watched the show and I didn't really know anything about it. Um, and except that Richard Hatch, the guy that uh, did the first American survivor and won it. And he was quite notorious. He was a nudist and gay and I remember, but we had the same manager and long before I was asked to be on um, before, because I was, I changed to American management when I got there in 2001 and yeah, I was with the same managers of Richard. And it was just a, interesting because for me to go on Survivor all those years later, I remember thinking, oh, you know, Richard, wow, I should have asked him for some tips, but I never did because I never <laughs> oh. knew anything about it. Well, I, was gonna I say, wish I had you, asked him. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you get a chance to, to, to chat with him like before you go out there? Like, hey, he's my other no, client, let's chat. I wish I had because I think he would have told me it's a game. You've got to yeah. be strategic. It's a game, Fiona, and don't take anything personally. And I approached it so very differently. It wasn't a game to me. It was my life. And I tend to, when I do things, throw myself in 500%, give my absolute all and do the very best I can. Um, and I forgot it's a game. And so I, I took it all to heart and took it very seriously it's, in my life. It's so fascinating that you mention about taking it as a game because one thing that Matt and I have really noticed in, in watching and recapping the, the three episodes you were on is that you seem to have the game part of it actually pretty well done. You're, you're forming alliances. You're talking about voting people out. You're, you're in the challenge aspect. You're doing very strong. There's there's all these layers to the game that I think you have down pat. It was, it was maybe the social side of things that I think we said maybe let you down and kind of led to getting voted out. So it's interesting to hear you say that you would treat it more like a game when I think we, from a viewer's perspective, we think, well, you've got that part okay. Wow, yeah. No, I think that was – if I did, it was a fluke. Um Oh, I, I mean, yeah, no, I don't know. I think the way it was all edited, you've got to remember with reality, it's so edited um, and there's already scripts they've decided before you even start doing it, I think. And then if there's not enough drama, they come to you and they say create more drama. And um, that's kind of my memory of it is not realising it was a game, being very sincere with people that I, you know, if I was having a conversation with Amber, um it was a sincere conversation or the same with Imogen. Um, but it, it's, yeah, I don't know how that, I never watched it after it was done. I've never watched any of the episodes. So I don't know how I was edited to look. I saw articles published about me um, saying I was, uh, I stole things and stuff like that. And, and I did that when we were doing the challenges, um, like they, I remember new idea writing something like Fiona stole, stuff sugar and um safety pins out of a medical kit and i did i remember um oh yeah i remember um when uh we were doing challenges in the early days uh and we were woefully mismatched against the men those first i can't remember if it was the first two challenges that you know we all got quite hungry at a point there was no food our area that we had to pick and forage on had already been picked out i remember climbing like 30 feet up into a tree to try and get some tiny little green mandarins that are at the top. So we had some food, but the men were winning the challenges um, because they were strong. You know, we just couldn't 
quite get there across the line. And um, they, so we were, a huge rainstorm blew in. We were sitting in the van and um, the girls were all, you know, complaining, like everyone was saying how hungry and dizzy and tired they were. And I looked on the floor and I realised we were in the crew van. They'd stuck us in there while this heavy downpour came on. Um, we're on another island for this particular challenge. And I noticed there were empty sugar packets on the floor that the crew had been eating their morning tea, their coffee, their whatever, and they'd left trash on the floor and it was sugar packets. So I grabbed them quickly and I said, there was a, I'm pretty sure there was a crew person in the front kind of keeping an eye on things, but we, the rest of us are in the back of this van. And I quickly grabbed them and I passed them around to everyone. I said, quick, have sugar, sugar, sugar. So we would have some energy. We hadn't really eaten for a couple of days and it was all very, you know, exciting and but also challenging the weather was really crap the first few days and wow so it was a lot of rain and a lot so anyway I quickly passed around sugar and then there was another time where we were really hungry we still hadn't won a a thing I think the two the first two challenges had happened and we hadn't won anything and we weren't eating um and everyone was struggling with that um we were on a boat to go to it being taken to another island and I noticed there was a medicine kit and I thought if I took some safety pins, maybe I could make a fishing hook. So I did. I took safety pins wow. and out of the medical kit. Um, yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. How does New ID find that out? How does New ID get that information? I think, I think um, maybe someone who got voted out told them. I can't remember. I just remember seeing the article and it was like, Fiona Horn's a thief. <laughs> I just wish you'd lasted till the end now, Fiona. Imagine all the stuff you could have stolen over 25 days. <laughs> Well, the main thing was I, I didn't, you know, it wasn't like I stole for me. I, the first, I didn't eat a sugar packet. I handed it to everyone else. I don't know if I even got one, but I made sure everyone else had a sugar packet. And uh, the, the safety pins were to find fish for us as a tribe. I remember the girls would complain because I'd wake up super early before the sun and I'd stoke the fire. So it was hot when everyone got up and I would put yams in there in the morning so that we might have food later in the day. We were able to find some yams. I did forage for some yams. So my memories are doing things like that and the girls getting upset with me because I disturbed their sleep. But I tried to get up so quietly but so we could have fire in the morning, you know. And Jason, Justin, when Justin joined, he and I worked very – we were a real team and worked – I don't know what was edited and what they made it look like but he's a lovely guy and we knew each other from L.A. so it was lovely to see him. And um, But we sort of kept all that, you know, our own – friendship kind of quiet I guess but um we worked really hard together to make things happen as far as cooking food or he he worked very hard to make the camp comfortable I remember I designed this bed that we all built together which was like palm fronds overlapping because there were always crabs climbing up on us so palm fronds banana leaves and then pine needles I noticed I thought oh if we all pick the pine needles we can lay them on the bed and make a soft mattress. So my memories of Survivor are doing stuff like this. So if I was cut in the social, I mean, I remember spending hours on the beach looking through the sand for Amber's waterproof mascara. She was devastated when she dropped it and was worried she'd look ugly on camera or something. I don't know. So she had, that was her luxury item, waterproof Mm -hmm. mascara. And I remember going through the sand on the beach for ages and I found it, gave it to her. That's another memory I have. So I don't know how they edited me to look socially, but, you know, (laughs) my memory is just trying to help people and taking it seriously, trying to get food for my tribe and trying to um, survive. It does explain why Justin picked you first in the tribe swap. We were actually wondering, we we mentioned that in our recap last week, 
Um, you know, did you guys know each other beforehand? But yeah, you just answered obviously. Well, well, I want to, I want to make it very clear. We didn't know each other really well. Um, when he, when I arrived in Los Angeles in 2000 and you know, you're an Aussie over there to make a life. I was, I hadn't met Justin, um, but I was introduced to him because he's was an expert at living in LA. He told me how to get a social security number, how important it was to, you know, go into debt, go, go to, he said, go to the Beverly center and get one of those $500 limit um, shop cards and pay it, use it. You have to pay 500, pay it down, get a little bit of credit there, start building a credit history. This is a good bank you should bank with. This is how you get a driver's license. I mean, he was, he gave me a lot of that basic get yourself set up wisdom. And then when other people came to LA, I became that Aussie that they came to and asked for advice. I remember I helped a, a few people who came to LA um, actors particularly um, how to get their identity set up, how to get a social security card, how to start living in LA, um, how important it was to go into debt to be able to get a credit history so you could get an apartment, you could rent an apartment mm. or get a car or whatever. Um, so that's how I knew Justin. We weren't big mates, but so I knew him just from that little bit of time um, and never hung out with him socially there or we weren't bosom buddies or anything, but definitely from that little bit, he helped me get set up. So when I realised it was him coming to the island, I was happy to see him. You know, he was a very important part of me getting, you know, establishing my life in LA back in 2001. Just that one afternoon, I think we sat and had coffee for a few hours. That was it. But it really helped me um, and I was able to pay it forward and help other Australians when that came over. Um, but, yeah, when the reason he picked me first was not because we were mates, it's because of the stuff we were doing behind the scenes. Like he was the firemeister. He had the fire pit going. I was the one crawling through the dirt, digging up yam tubers, and, <laughs> you know, and climbing trees for food. And, you know, he and I were very much about taking care of the tribe. And if they edited that out, which they well, probably did. Yeah, they did because um, we didn't yeah, see quite did. you treat because all, all that sort of revolved around a lot. You were mentioning like the amber, like even hearing you say that you were trying to find Amber's mascara is interesting mascara. because all, all we saw with you and Amber was that you were at each other's throats. You talk about getting up in the morning and, and Amber's going off at you because you're going on about fireflies and then she's, you know, angry enough with you and that ultimately it seems leads to her voting you out. I mean, we didn't see any of that side of you no, on, on the show. No, no, Amber and I um, got along very well. She was, um, we had, a, I told her I thought she looked like a, I thought she was beautiful. I knew nothing about her. I've been living in America. I didn't know her history as being a bridesmaid at Princess Mary's wedding, if that's correct. Yeah. So I, I only found all that out. But um, remember there was around the time of the pig trial um, where there was that very awful uh, game, game, you know, the, you know, thing where with all the pigs and yeah. it was really distressing the animals. I felt really bad about what, how, what we're doing, the animals and Dicko was, goading everyone on and it was the animals were squealing and it was just really I didn't feel good about that particular challenge at all I remember her and I talking I think before we got went in and got all muddy but I just you know she was talking about how she wanted to work in tv more and this and that and I said we're very beautiful you remind me of kind of like a 1930s she had this elegant kind of 1930s Grace Kelly sort of well, not Grace Kelly, one of those classic actress looks to her, you know, with a petite nose and just a face and lovely cheekbones and everything. And I, I said, oh, you know, like, well, this might be a good stepping stone. You know, it might, um, this might get you a bit of exposure and it's what you do with it after. And we had those kinds of conversations, you know. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, that's why I was so shocked and hurt when I was voted off, like, like by, because I couldn't understand how 
that was had happened. I thought it was very different to the friendship that I thought we had. Um, and but if they edit I, again, I've never watched it, so I don't know how they edit it to make it look. So, so um, the other what I heard in the aftermath of it all was when David and and um, the footballer, what's his name? Elton. 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 Thank you. Yep. Thank you. David and Elton, when they came to our tribe, that I'm pretty sure that's when I was voted off. Was, I was yeah. told that they got in Amber's ear and told her she needed to vote me off because I was too strong. Now I was told that after the fact, I'm pretty sure David himself told me that because we ended up having lunch at government house months later, he invited me to lunch. I thought, well, how interesting. I'll have lunch with David. And, um, Pretty sure that's when he told me that, oh, yeah, we went to Amber and told her to vote you off. But my understanding is, and I've never watched it, but didn't they vote her off the following episode? They did, yeah. Yeah, they that was their plan. Did. They saw, they actually saw that we were friends, I think, or that we had a soft friendship, a gentle friendship, or, you know, we were just two girls who chatted quite a bit. And I think that maybe um, they got in, they th- were clever about it. Again, that's where the strategy in the game comes. You know, those two were strategists and they voted her, get her to get me off and then they vote her off straight away. And I think it was, that was where the strategy came in. I'll actually backtrack, Fiona. Just just want to, just want to, like, straight away, this is awesome. I get to go to Vanuatu and play this. this it is an amazing game, Survivor, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity or is mm. it something that you really wanted to do or is it something that they had to convince you to do? Well, it's a great question. I think when um, my manager said they were interested in having me, I just felt really um, excited. I mean, Survivor's, you know, kind of like uh, it's a institution, you know, so it was kind of like, oh, God, I hadn't even ever thought I would do something like this. And then it really appealed to me the idea of being on an island, and I had been to Vanuatu before. As a scuba diver in my late 20s, I took myself there on a couple of holidays and I'd I'd climbed Mount Tanner and I'd dived down and seen the President Coolidge wreck off the of Spirit of Santu. I mean, I loved Vanuatu and I loved the people. Um, so the opportunity to go back there again, I was I was down. Um, and it just all sounded very interesting um, and and kind of fun. Like, um, and they paid us to do it, which I appreciated because um, I was in LA trying to build my career and I ha- it's very hard over there. So the money was good. I was also going to be able to donate to my charity of choice, which was uh, ocean awareness. I, da- I um, donated $5,000 to the Paddy Ocean Aware, um, so, you know, uh, charity that they do for shark conservation. Um, and so I was just kind of, it just seemed like a really great thing. And Jason said, it'd be really good. It'd be fun. Great for your profile, you know, and he was always looking at ways of kind of trying to help me survive and do what I could in Australia while I had stuff going on in America. Fiona, I know you might not want to answer this question. We're obviously going to put this question to everybody we get on the show and it's entirely up to mm. you if you want to answer or not. Can we ask how much you were paid to go on the show? I can't remember exactly. I think it was 18000 Okay. And I think I donated five of that to mm. Patty. I think, yeah, something Which- like that. But it could be less because I know that, I mean, I don't remember because I don't make anything like that these days. You know, that money, I look back at the sort of money I was offered back then, I'm like... But, you know, you don't have a sense of its value. I think you just kind of, I was, a, I guess I could humbly offer, I was a little bit of an it girl in the sense I would look back at myself and think, wow, you know, like I was offered money like that to do things. And, um, you know, I just, I was paid $2,000 to walk into a nightclub, you know, like it was an interesting time that I don't think I at the time realised what that meant financially. 
I would take my friends out to lunch and, and pay for everything and take my girlfriend shopping and pay <laughs> for everything. I didn't have a perspective on the value of it, you know, so my, I don't have a super clear memory. I think it was 18000 Matt, Matt I, does all I that know stuff I now with his celebrity. 5, Matt uses his celebrity to take us all out for lunch and uh, gets <laughs> yeah, paid, I think, a right. couple of thousand at a nightclub, don't you, Matt? That's kind of what it happens now, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, when I need it, when I need it. But yeah. what, what about... It was, so long, it was so long ago. It's just, you know, but what I'll, I'll say quickly is, you know, that I always had a dream as a little girl to live on a tropical island. That, that beautiful turquoise blue water was always my favourite colour. And I just... You know, the experience I had of being on Survivor, my favourite memories are, you know, lying under the stars on a big banana leaf that was a towel because you don't have anything. So the giant banana leaf was like a towel because of all the little crabs and everything climbing around on the on the sand. And I would, I'd go out when everyone was in bed, I would go out and lay under the stars. I wrote a song about it on my solo album that I did after Survivor. There's an album called Witchweb and there was a song called um, Lost in the Woods but it's like a, a, it's a memory of lying on that banana leaf looking at the stars. And in the lyric it says, the stars so close like cherries, ripe in the sky, I let their sweet light blind my urban eyes. Because the stars were so close I felt like I could pluck them out of the sky like cherries. And, you know, I let their sweet light blind my urban eyes for good lost in the woods. It was this, there was no light pollution in Vanuatu. That you know, the, star, the sky was so dark and deep and the stars were so bright and I I loved the opportunity to do things like that to go out alone on an island beach wander down to the creek in the morning and wash naked in by the creek and use a stick to clean the dirt out from under my nails and a coconut shell to pour water on my head to rinse my greasy hair you know it was like I loved um that that's they're my favorite memories of just that time merging with nature and feeling safe because you always knew there was a crew or someone around if any weird bad stuff came on hmm. came went down and i just mean like as a woman you don't often go to really remote places in nature and feel safe alone um and as a little girl i always felt very safe in the bush and then you have experiences where guys follow you and you're threatened in some way and so you as an older person being in a very remote environment I felt this beautiful sense of freedom there. And that was my favourite memories of being on Survivor. And I think that it really inspired me to make an island my home. And so I did. Seven years ago, I moved to the Caribbean and I, I lived on a small island in the Caribbean from 2013 to last year. And I ended up building a career as a commercial pilot over there. I did humanitarian aid, um, did put together a couple of aid missions and volunteered my flying to do all that to Haiti after they suffered to a massive hurricane. And then I worked as a pilot as well for the last four or five years, um, flying up and down the island chain. And so I can look back and think of Survivor and how it inspired in me this passion to let make it possible that I could actually go and base myself on a tropical island, and I made it happen. And you actually know Russ Landau from... Very well, yes. yeah. Russ is a good mate, fellow pilot, and love him to death. And, I mean, yeah, he does... When we became friends, we met when I was at flight school in uh, Santa Monica doing my instrument rating and he walked in, I was at American Flyers and he'd done his flight training there. He's a private and commercial pilot. He owns his own aircraft. He's uh, got a fantastic helicopter and a beautiful beach. Um, gosh, which beach has it got? It's beach Baron, it's particular, uh, it's the pressurised Baron. So it's like Baron P. I don't know. I can't remember the number. Um, anyways, but he's got great, great aircraft as a rotor and fixed wing pilot. And so we just became really good friends and it was just kind of an aside that, 
you know, we're saying, oh, we're having coffee. He's like, what do you do outside of, I said, oh, I used to be in music. And he said, oh, I'm in music too. What do you do? Oh, I wrote all the music for Survivor. And I said, you're kidding. I was on Survivor. <laughs> and then, then now we're like really good mates. Yeah. So when you guys you approached me to do this show, or like, as obviously we talked about this over a year ago, I was hanging out with Russ at the mm-hmm. time and, um, cause I was in LA when you called me in a break between, cause I go back and forth between the Caribbean and California and LA and always Small see him. World. I told him I was going to be doing the interview with you and well, he was really I, happy. I interviewed Russ many years ago. It's, it's funny actually. Um, you know, I've sort of, yeah. And kind of he and I talk, you know, randomly every now and then. Um, but yeah, mm. that was, it's interesting. I remember you mentioned that and then, you know, sort of learning here that you started off, you know, management there with Richard Hatch. There's all these weird connections that you have, like survival was almost well, meant to be for you. I would, I would have to say as a witch, um, when serendipities and synchronicities like that start to manifest, you actually, um, I mean, I could, you, it's a great point you're bringing up. I'm thinking, yeah, it was kind of like the universe was steering me towards this remarkable experience without me kind of realising with my conscious mind. And I, I can look at a lot of my, um, you know, life like that. I mean, I'm well into my second half of, my, you know, I'm, I'm more than half a century old and I'm or into my life. I say you don't have to grow old and grow better at living or try to, but uh, more than half a century on the planet. And I can look back and go, wow, you know, like, I've done some really extraordinary things, like not even like you might say, oh, being commercial pilot, humanitarian aid worker, fire dancer, rock star, witch, writer, blah, blah, blah. Um, But, you know, I've got to do things like Survivor. Yeah. I mean, you know, just what a – how lucky. I mean, when I die, I'm going to look back at my life and go, wow, I just have had this remarkable opportunity to try so many things and I hope that – the lessons I have in them, like if I've written about it in a book after that or talking about it, it's. I hope it's useful for people that if I learn something along the way that maybe they can learn something from my experiences. But I, I don't want to run out of time with you guys. I know we're t- chatting a lot. I have got my original Survivor well, I was gonna, I was gonna quickly mention here. to you because I wanted, wanted well, to show yeah, you because I can't well, believe I have it. <laughs> well, I was gonna mention because I, I want you to before we let you go, I want you to plug your book. But before that, you, you're oh. all decked out here, you know, for yes, our video okay. people watching it. You've got your gear, you've kept this. Give us a quick rundown of what you still okay. got 15 years this, later. I'm still, I've got the most so like you know bandana thing. I've tied yep. one around my head. So this is the most extraordinary thing when you guys contacted me all that time ago. I mean, I've moved house so many times and I packed up my whole life moved to a little tropical island and I had left a, a few boxes of things in storage in LA and I had the opportunity, I think when you first contacted me, I was in California visiting my friend who lets me keep a few boxes in her garage and I thought, oh, my God, I think I still have that bag, that bag and I, I went through the boxes. There's only not a lot of boxes and they're only small but there it was and it's the original bag they gave us Nice. and it was including the original waterproof bag because oh, wow. my luxury item was my tarot cards. Oh, yes. That the producers asked me to bring my cards and I said, oh, because you're a witch, could you maybe you can use it to predict who's going to get kicked off the show or something. And they, I said, I'll bring them if, they can, if you'll let me have a waterproof bag. And they did. So I was allowed to have this waterproof bag. And so I had, and look, I've still got all this stuff in here. It was really eerie opening this bag it's a time capsule I had no idea it was still that I'd kept it you know again moved house so many times and you know but here I even have like a shell from there and fantastic you know and it's just mind-blowing to see all this stuff I even have 
a hair tie that I wore. It's still got those pine needles in it that I talked about. Wow. And look at this, a safety pin. It's going to say, I mean, did you have any sugar of, packets in there? The stolen safety pins and no sugar packets, but I do have, look, I have the original Moso map because when so we were good. on the boat, the girls all just looked at me and they gave me the map and said, and I wasn't the, I mean, I think I was the oldest in physical years of all the girls. And so they kind of looked to me like, oh, can you take care of this? And I, I did. Um, but that's the original Moso map. Which Matt, can I just say I, Matt looks as rubbish in person as it did on screen too. Whoever designed that map really didn't have those uh, artistic skills, did they? Hand, <laughs> handwritten in, in um, yeah, in uh, pencil or something. And then look, here's one of the original tree mails I, that had one of the challenges written on it wow. where we had to go and what we had to do. And, That's you know, they burned, they burned the edges. Can you see how they sealed the edges yeah. off with the, you know? So I actually think they did a lovely job of trying to make it fun. I mean, all the producers and people, my memory is this, that everyone was really, really lovely. To improve the, it's hard to read this, it's kind of faded a bit, to improve the summer of our, your little society comes a challenge with a lot of variety. Winning this will be quite a thrill, but it's important how little you spill. So if you really... If you're really careful, wherever you tread, you'll have sweet dreams tucked up in bed. Oh, I haven't read that out loud <laughs> for 15 years, so there you ben, go. Ben, would that have been the one where they had the coconut and yep. they had the, the water yep. and then the water. I think it was Ben Wynn's first challenge that he was involved yeah, in? Yeah, it definitely yeah, was. Yeah, it must wow. have been that. And then, look, this is the Celebrity Survivor Rules. I still have the original contract stuff in here. Jeez. And then... Um, I have uh, my schedule, schedule for Fiona. Look I mean, at that. now the way I live and work now, I, I kind of like I'm a one-woman show now and I do everything. And i looking back and saying, wow, I was given a schedule. It wasn't what, just Fiona, me writing I, a long list and checking it off. <laughs> I think I think what we might need to get you to do, if it's okay, is maybe take some yes. photos of that when you've got a chance and we can sort of yeah. have a bit of a look and we can post them. And then them you can on. have a look through it. Yeah, yeah we can absolutely. Because that. that's, that's a great keepsake. I'm glad you've kept and all look, that. I've because... even got, yeah, look, I've even got the pair of socks that I had on do my they feet, smell? I guess. Do and... they still smell? No, no. Um, <laughs> they don't. I don't, to my knowledge, have smelly feet. This I really love. Look, this was something. They gave us tiny pieces of soap. They did, and um, and so I I think, or did I did I steal that too? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Stolen. Look, Stolen. I wrap probably did. I wrapped this up in a banana leaf, um, or something like some kind of palm frond. And look, I still have this soap, this piece Fantastic. of soap. That's look at this. Crazy. It's like, isn't that amazing? And you know, there it is. Wow. That's the soap I washed myself in Vanuatu with. Survivor so it was a man. lot. Yeah. When I kind of opened the bag and saw all this stuff and thought, oh, I've got the opportunity to talk to you guys about this. And I'll show you one more thing. That's the dreadlock of hair that I pulled out of my head wow. after um, so many challenges and not being able to wash my hair. And I had these massive dreadlocks. So I pulled them out and that's my hair. Wow. So, I mean, and as a witch, we kind of find uh, meaning and, you know, in items of the natural world, whether it's a shell or you know, even your hair. So I think from my perspective and how I treat things I've kept in my life, um, like I have when I climbed a sand dune in Namibia, I flew myself around Namibia uh, four years ago 
and I climbed a sand dune and I collected some sand and I kept the sand. It's like I, and that's what I brought back. That was my souvenir, the sand from my sock. Like I tend to find objects and items of the natural world very meaningful. And so it doesn't surprise me that I would keep these kinds of things, like a little shell, a little stone, my hair, you know, a banana leaf wrapping some soap, you know. Fiona, you Fantastic. mentioned about your tarot your tarot cards there, that mm. your luxury item. On the show, you did mention that you burnt some of them. Was that, a, was that true? Oh, yes. And that was one of the things that, again, you know, in editing it out, when I heard they edited out that scene, I, um, I, want, I decided just not to watch any of it because I thought yeah. I don't want to see how they portrayed me. It was... Um, but, yeah, what happened was I think it was the second night there was a massive storm and um, we were freezing. By then Justin was with us and we'd made this bed thing and we'd made our shanty lean-to shack thing and um, we're all working very hard on all of that. And so just it was Justin's idea that we all curl up and, and like, like spoon each other to stay warm. Um, but it was so terribly cold and we had nothing dry to burn. We really needed to make a fire. And my memory is, and I could be wrong, but my memory is the producers came to us and said we could be taken to a hotel for this one night if we wanted to. And we weren't sure, my memory is we weren't sure if it was a trick or it was real and we decided we'd all stay and muscle muscle on with it. And But it meant getting the fire going um, and it meant snuggling up and staying warm. And we had nothing dry to light, like Jason, Justin was trying to light the fire and get it stoking, stoking and he couldn't. And I remembered I had my tarot cards. It was the one dry thing we had. My tarot cards, which this is one from the original deck, because I didn't burn all of them, I burned some of them, but this is that deck now. The card actually looks like this when it's only been read a couple hundred times. This is what they look like now, mm. really worn all those years ago. So this is the same High Priestess card, but wow. I've kept her. I keep her with my tarot. But So the cards were in this waterproof bag. So I took them out and um, I removed, I think, four or five of the cards and I burned them and that's how we got the fire going. There and I, go. I decided that um, and we stayed warm that night. We survived. We heard the men were evacuated with hypothermia. Um, again, that's my memory that they were evacuated because they were so cold because they wouldn't cuddle. We all spooned, stayed warm got the fire going, true survivors. You know, like, again, it wasn't a game to me. I thought we were, it felt like real life. And, and uh, evacuated. so I decided, yeah, and I just, my memory is that I was told they were, they were removed because um, it was too cold for them and too wet. And um, my, I remember thinking that, and I'm pretty sure I said this in my elimination, that I decided the survival of my tribe was more important than a pack of cards I'd had for 20 years or 10 years or however long it was. And it was 20 years. It was more important than a pack of cards I'd had for 20 years. Yeah. And that's why I burned them Mitch to help Dicko, my tribe. Yeah, Dicko would ask that question to you yeah. on, on the night you got eliminated. So I was kind of shocked. I was kind of shocked that they, you know, when I found out they cut it, why I burned them and what well, that was about. Um, so, again, you know, I just, I didn't watch the show. I couldn't because I kind of thought they're going to portray me in a way that isn't, real and Which, I was still taking myself seriously back then and and yeah, I definitely wore my heart on my sleeve a lot as a young woman so I had to just kind of protect myself a bit and not would watch be very, it. It would be very fascinating to get you back on one day and maybe get you to watch it and see kind of, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a fun mm. thing to kind of do that, to see that. Fiona, we're going to let you go, uh, but before we do, just 
Final quick question. If you want yes. to give me 30 seconds, I know I wanted to give you more on this, but uh, I still want you to plug it. You've got a new book out right now. You're touring Australia right now with this. Tell, tell us a little bit about your book, where you can get it, and also plug yourself, plug your socials. Where can people find oh, out more so about kind. you? Oh, you're so kind. And, you know, even even though, I mean, I appreciate you rushing to get me off, I've got to – would you allow me one more thing to show I you? I will allow you just, everything you want. Like it's, 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 it's you it's, that's got to go. We can keep you here for another five know, hours. We don't I'm mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, just, it's a hectic day because I have got a new book out and I'm doing a lot of media and stuff and I've got to drive three hours to go and do a Channel 7 TV ah, show. Channel thing, 7, so. who cares about them, right? What are we talking <laughs> so, about this know. season? Uh, that was I know. 15 years no, ago. No, I love the morning show. They're, so, it's, it's, they're just so lovely on that show, so I'm looking forward to seeing them. But anyway, these I'm wearing the, the, the bandanas because that was the other thing I had in this bag was the three bandanas we were given, or actually four. I'm wearing one as a tube top, which is what we did then, as a bandana, which I don't remember if I wore one as a bandana then, but I definitely, I think I did. Um, and then these. Now, again, what's so eerie about getting these out of the bag 15 years later when I haven't opened it? They still have the dirt and sweat on them. Wow. Of, you know, and it, again, I just, it takes me back to this time. I mean, it's like, and how lucky am I? And I'm, I don't have a lot of memories. Like I don't, I, I kind of, I'm a minimalist. I let go of a lot of things and like I have mental memories and I've written books about my life and this and that and interviews, TV stuff, but to actually hold things and go, Oh, you know, this is actually what I wore. It brings everything back. So I'm grateful. Incredibly that, uh, valuable. Can I just point this out? Not that you would ever want to depart with that, but buffs are a rare commodity in Survivor fandom. And the original, well, actually any Australian buffs, any Survivor buffs are highly, highly sought out. The one I'm wearing right now is from the Channel 9 one. These yeah. alone go for several hundreds of dollars. Your season, wow. I believe, has never, ever had them released to anyone except the players. So you wow. could auction that for charity and mm. fans of Survivor around the world would, would pay a buckload for those Wow. Buffs. Well, you know, that's a beautiful a beautiful idea and, and, and great to know. I think, um, yeah, you know, that would be a really great thing because, I, again, I just, I'm astounded that I have all this stuff here and, you know, I, um, yeah, it's great. I'm so happy to get to share it with you guys. I love that you're doing this podcast. It's amazing. And, uh, and I, I just wanted to share one more thing about the tarot cards. I did burn them. I continued tarot cards as a tool of divination. And in my personal witchcraft, it's a, it's a tool of service. You know, I, I offer readings and con consultations with people who are looking for me, trying to, un, like, direction in life, I understand that maybe the obstacles aren't there to stop them, but to guide them to other opportunities. So I try and help people navigate their lives in a, in a useful and productive and positive way. So um, I had the opportunity to buy another deck of those cards many years later. Um, they didn't make them anymore, but I found, you know, a, a collectible item on eBay or something, and I managed to get, you know, the full set again. So I have the full, the full set of the cards again, um, but I continued to read them. I continue to read them with the missing cards for many years after it, understanding that, you know, my experience in divination is to kind of, you know, align with the higher power of my understanding to uh, assist and be useful in the person's life who I'm helping. So I just worked with it without them and still was able to um, help people use usefully and appropriately. Um, but it was lovely to be able to get a full pack again and, um, you know, I'm glad. I was, I, was, I was actually going to ask you, Fiona, if you burn a couple, does that mean the whole pack's useless? And you just answered it that it sounds like yeah. you're still able to, to 
I still I, I I I use them because I've read them for so long, thousands and thousands and thousands of readings, and I have an intimate relationship with them. There's 72 cards in the deck, and I, I was able to work around it and trust that because the way I not that this is a lesson on witchcraft, but I if I'm doing a reading, divination of some kind, I feel the mess, the information comes through me, not from me. So the cards are kind of useful as a tool to get my conscious mind out of the way and allow guidance to come through me, as well as determining what's being shown in the images. And um, I made it work, you know, and uh, and I was able to help people. But at the time it was it was a really big deal because the cards were very important to me and they, you know, um, it was a lot to burn them for my tribe, but I felt that it was appropriate at the time. If you're if you're ever in Canada, Ben's never had a reading done before. So if you're never. ever in Canada, you oh, have I do, to do readings. Ben. I do readings over the phone more often than not. I have clients all over the world, and I actually love it when I can't see the person, and I ask them not to tell me anything. Let me just do a read without you telling me anything, and just usually not even with Zoom camera, but just on the phone. I find if I can't see the client, I'm even more accurate because I'm not distracted by physical affectations or maybe assessments my egoic mind might make about the clothing they're wearing or the look on their face. If I can't see anything and I, from my perspective, trusting that my connection with them as a witch using my intuitive ability is, uh, it's actually more accurate if I don't see them. So I do readings all the time. If you want one, let me know. Oh, well, we will. Trust me. People can get, people can get readings with me by going to my website. It's fionahorn.com. And there's a link up there that says chat. And I, don't usually advertise it. I just let the universe find its way to bring people to me when I'm useful for them. Um, I don't go out of my way to advertise. But there's a little thing that says chat. And if you click on that, you can reach me. And, um, yeah, I love helping people in person. But, I, you know, you can be anywhere in the world and my do it. My birthday's coming up, Matt. There you go. There's, yeah. there's a, that's <laughs> what you can We'll make it happen. We'll definitely make it happen. Fiona, you mentioned your website, your social media. People can find you there. And your book, it's Teen yeah. Magic. Uh, people Teen can Magic. Buy it now. I've got a copy here. I'm so excited. There it is. Um, you know, I know you guys, we're chatting now. Um, I'm on the road mid-March uh, in Western Australia where I'm based now. Um, Tea Magic is my 14th book and it's a it's witchcraft for a new generation. It's addressing um, the things that are weren't around 17 years ago. I, I wrote a teen witch magic book 17 years ago. This is was originally going to try to be a reprint, but I basically just rewrote the entire book. Um because back then there was no social media, there were no smartphones to any great significance. There was no TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, there's chapters in this about social media and how to make it magical. There's chapter, a big section in it about gender fluidity and, um, you know, the LGBTQIA community, the Rainbow Witch and what their place is in the magical world and how they find a sense of community and belonging in modern witchcraft. Um Lots of spells, boring class spell, horrible teacher spell, uh, you know, it's just <laughs> a lot of stuff um, for the young and the young at heart, I guess. But um, I've loved the opportunity to release a book for young people and, um, you know, particularly teen witches and, um, yeah, this getting to go out on the road and connect with people at these all ages interactive events is amazing. And so they're, um, it's all on my website, fionahorn.com. I, I wanted to get over to the eastern states in Australia and I was booked to do Tassie and, and Sydney and Victoria, but with the continuing, um, you know, instability of uh, how everything's being managed at the moment in this, these extraordinary times, it's I'm staying put in Western Australia and just doing the tour here. And I will be releasing it. Um, I'm filming all of them and I'll release them for download at a later date for other states. 
Great. Before we go, guys, I just um, I've been looking through the paper while we've been talking and saying goodbye, but um, looking through all this stuff I have here, and I found something really extraordinary. This is a letter oh. that I wrote to producer David Mason. It's on Lee Meridian Port Vila Resort and Casino letterhead. Wow. It's when I was voted off and taken, I was so distraught and everything. Um, yeah. Oh, do you want to hear it? Because I, I, I remember to, yeah. I wrote I wrote this. I wrote two hand wrote two out because I made a mistake on this. I think yeah, and so I decided I would write it out neater and hand it to him, um, the better version of it. But I have this as a copy. So dear David, and mind you, I had been sobbing, and it was this was the next morning at the hotel, and I'm just. I remember it was pouring with rain, and I was still crying that I'd been voted off Survivor like that. <laughs> like hurt, like so hurt that these people I thought who were my friends that were my tribe had, had, you know, thrown me away. So it was what it was. Anyway, dear David, thank you so much for your generous patience with me last night when I was so emotional. I'm still very sad this morning, but deep down I know I must move on from one of the most remarkable and fulfilling experiences of my life. Thank you so much for including me in the cast of Celebrity Survivor. It has been such a privilege and pleasure working with your crew. Again, I'm just so impressed with what you are achieving here. Everyone has been absolutely fantastic. I always felt cared for and yet free to be a true survivor, if that makes sense. It's kind of what I was talking about before, guys. I said like mm. laying on the beach. You know, you get to have this completely, oh, I'm a castaway on a tropical island, but I'm safe. You know, yeah. it was an amazing thing to experience. I think your crew and producers were unobtrusive and professional and all round better than anyone I've worked with in reality production <laughs> overseas. I must have already done that, Madhouse, but they were good. Anyway, anyway, so as sad as I am to leave the beautiful paradise that our Moso tribe world had become, I feel like the luckiest girl in the world to have had the opportunity to experience it at all. I wish you all the very best with the rest of the production and I know you have an enormous success on your hands. Congratulations. And if I have the opportunity to work with you in the future, it would be an honour and a pleasure. Love, Fiona. Wow. That's the, the goodbye letter I wrote to the producers because I, yeah, the night when I got voted off and they took me to the bar, like, and I was just was a hysterical wreck. That's so, beautiful. There you go. I, I'm so yes, glad. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad, Fiona, that you've read us that letter because I think that's one thing that maybe people think about your season that, that the players on their, the contestants maybe didn't really care about actually playing and that, you know, it's just a celebrity version, but you know, like this is an insight to exactly what you were feeling the, the you yeah. know, hours after you were voted off. And that yeah. is just, that is like any other normal, you know, contestant of survivor that the, the emotion of being voted out, the emotion of not winning and, and wondering yeah. what went, went, went wrong, why people voted you out. So, I'm yeah. so glad I, I thank you for sharing that because it gives a really good insight of you as a survivor player. Oh, thank you guys. I just, yeah, I just, um, again, it's a, it's, it, it, it puts a lump in my throat a bit to be reading it, but I, I mean, I feel very blessed to have had this. It feels like a little bit of closure for me. Like I said to you, you know, when I got voted off, it was so hurtful and then I could never watch it. And there were these articles coming out in the magazines after, and I just still never watched it. Um, and then I, I just, uh, yeah, I, so it's, it's kind of like healing and closure for me, um, which I really appreciate as well. Do you think you ever will watch it? No. No? No, no I don't want to. I, um, I don't, you know, maybe if I'm like, you know, 
I don't know, maybe in another few decades or something yeah. if we'll, I was looking we'll, back we'll at my you, life yeah, we'll and get I would you just on, go, say, wow. Like, a special you know, project, Fiona Hall when, when I'm 80 or something. But, um, yes. but the thing is, is like I think what I, the way I try and live now because I'm still living so many lives and, you know, I, I just uh, I think it's it's healthy to plant your feet firmly in today and uh, move forward with with uh, gratitude and um, and just uh, and try to be useful in the world and of service in the world. That's how I function now. And I find uh, I have peace of mind for that reason. And I was, you know, I didn't have that sense of self-preservation, you know, ironically a survivor show, but I wore my heart on my sleeve. Mm. I might have survived physically, but my heart was like, you know, I might have survived swimming, diving down and dragging up these heavy pieces of wood and with these sharks around and I might have, you know, but I wore my heart on my sleeve and my heart was a little bit broken after that. And I think uh, this is healing for me and it's enough, you know, I can just move forward now. Well, Fiona, we're glad that we've Thanks, kind of been, been able to help you with this today. Maybe be a bit of a, a therapeutical outlet for this 15 years later. So it's been uh, yeah. definitely learnt a lot and everything along those lines. And I, I'm going to end, I'm going to close myself right now and say thank you mm-hmm. from here. And I'm going to hand it over to Matt because, you know, he, you were his teenage crush. I feel like he deserves to have a little bit more time right now with you to close this out. So Matt, over to you. Now, Fiona, I just want to say, look, I've enjoyed watching you on, on those earlier shows like Beauty and the Beast and and to see you play this game of Survivor, you, you are a great player and I would have loved to have seen you go a lot lot further, but the, the three episodes you were on, you gave us so much and and you, I'm just glad that David Mason put you on that show and, and to hear everything about it today is fantastic and that you still do love the game of Survivor and, um, yeah, I just wish you all the best and I wish you all the best for this new book that uh, has just come out. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. It was awesome. And there we go. Uh, the one, the only, Fiona Horn, Matt Dyson. How, how's the heart going? How, how's teenage <laughs> Matt internalising yourself right now? Do you, do you need a moment? Do you need me to leave you alone? <laughs> um, look, it was actually fantastic to chat to her. I mean, how, has this lady, she's done everything, hasn't she? And, and just to hear her background, hear about her, you know, going over to America and, and, and trying to crack it over there and, 14 books, Ben. She's written 14 books. I mean, I haven't even written one book, let alone 14. But uh, <laughs> I haven't but even read I think 14, surpri- I don't think. <laughs> what, surprised me, what surprised me the most is just just her love for this game. You know, like you can tell that it really hurt her being voted out and that's not a good thing. I mean, you don't want anyone being hurt, but but that's the reaction to just about every Survivor, normal Survivor play. You know, they, that, that constant thinking, what went wrong and why did I get voted out? And I guess... You, you probably don't think that, that that's going to be the same for the celebrity contestants, but it was, especially for Fiona Horn. So to hear that, I think, was was a really good part of this interview. Well, you, you mentioned sort of towards the end there about, you said it to Fiona, that the kind of hearing that is, is similar to, I guess, what like normal players would feel. And I, I guess kind of we're trying to normalise this season as a normal mm. season, which is still highly debated and, and people still will always disagree with what we're trying to do here. And that's fine. But... You know, it is through interviews like this, and as you, you're right, like where people have these emotions, and I think when we get later on in this season, someone like David Oldfield, who you know really took this game seriously, mm-hmm. and then you know I've mentioned a few times through the Hall of Fame interviews that I did at the end of last year with Guy and Imogen, you know, particularly hearing from Guy that the extent that he went into that and he only wanted to do Survivor, he got offered reality shows all the time, but it was only Survivor, so it does legitimize this season more okay we're learning that they had soap and that they were offered to go to a hotel and okay things like that maybe you know well people will go well that's not proving that it's real season but for these players it, it was 
Uh, and, you know, we've got some of the best game players in Australian Survivor history on this season. And okay, there are a couple of asterisks which you can say, well, this isn't real. But I could make 20 arguments about why Channel 10's is less real than Whaler's Way. But, you know, that's a open to interpretation and person people's opinions. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to hearing from the people who played it. The cable brand and argument has always been tell these people that what they did isn't real. And we're hearing this right now. What they did is real. They felt emotional connection to it. And that, I think, at the end of the day, is the final evidence of how these seasons should be interpreted. How good is her memorabilia collection, too? Oh, Probably yeah. second only to Craig from season one. Um, yeah. You it's, know, that was um, well, that's the stuff we love to see, too, you know, on well, this podcast. That's one of your favourite questions, isn't it, Matt? You like yeah. to ask. Um, and, and I will say that we obviously had sort of a limited time with Fiona. Obviously, you know, we like these interviews to go for as long as we possibly can. You know, Kim's a couple of weeks ago was fantastic. I don't think... We never thought we'd get Kim on, let alone have sort of more than an hour with her talking about Survivor. So obviously we, we didn't have as much time with Fiona as we would have liked. But I think what the time we did, we got was fantastic. And to see the the memorabilia, and I will say for people who are listening to this via audio, go onto YouTube right now and check out the video interview because that's where you will see it. That might have been a bit awkward listening to that interview going, well, I can't see anything. What are they talking about? The video version is online. Uh, so you can see the stuff that is showing off. And this is, I mean, I'm sure, Matt, like you, as I said, you love that question. You love finding out. But I, I can imagine this is a season which you maybe thought like none of these people might not have memorabilia still. And, and to see Fiona have that amount of memorabilia was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. We probably think maybe they might have their, their bandana, which, you know, they're buff. But uh, she had four of them. How good I know. that four? Most so, but I like how you tried to say, oh, good idea, Get sell one of them or auction one of them off for charity. That's so you can buy it. Yeah, you and I so would pull can... our cash right now. If she said, like, I'm going to put this up on eBay tomorrow, you and I are going to somehow find the cash and, and like, no one owns those. Like, this isn't Absolutely. a case of, like, us wearing a Kadena buff right now that, you know, we lucked into getting or some people had back in the day. Like, people talk about the Channel 10 ones not being available to buy. They at least give them away as promo things. I couldn't tell you one person that has one of these It wasn't on the show. Ben, just put it on our ASA business credit card. Yep. And, um, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got one of them, don't we? I've, I hope so. Otherwise, what have I been charging for these sort of <laughs> things? But, uh, I mean, obviously, we're, we're, hope, we're in the process of, you know, similar to what we did with the Aurora Buffs, where, you know, hoping to have sort of some, you know, custom-made sort of ones that we can give away and, you know, have for people to, you know, pay for. And, again, it's not a money-making thing. It's just kind of a piece of history. Let's own that. Because, again, this season literally has none of these available. So, yeah, seeing Fiona having four, that's, wow, that's like hanging a, I don't know, a, a biscuit in front of a fat kid who's on a diet. Like, oh, my God, like, give me, give me, give me. Like, it's, it's like you, you're excited to talk to your childhood celebrity crush. I'm like, oh, my God, buff, <laughs> give me. <laughs> Nah, it, it, and and just seeing the original map too that we yeah. we've actually talked about was it in one of our in our first recap about how dodgy was that map bad. and and of course Fiona has that map and uh, but yeah no look, it it was great here at like you said look of course it would have been it would have been great to talk to her longer we we wanted to ask her a few questions especially about you know her being nude on Survivor and stuff like that which we didn't get to but um, I think for, for what we did. Um, the time we did get and the questions we, we were able to ask, I think it gives a good insight to to her as a survivor player. And that's what getting her on this podcast was all about. Finding out we know Fiona Horn, we know her as a white witch, we know she's a she, you know, she's an author, but we wanted to know her about as a survivor player, and I think we've done that today. Which we mentioned a couple of times there at the end. Fionahorn.com is her website. I, I kind of just alluded to find her on social media. I will just say 
at Fiona Horn on Twitter and Captain Fifi on Instagram. Um, you know, we it's it's kind of interesting when it comes to social media because I realize there are some people who will will jump at any opportunity to plug their social media. They want followers. They want to be you know out there. And there are some who are kind of a bit like, no, oh, you don't really need to follow me. We never really did that with the Whaler's Way People Season 1 because, you know, it, it has been a long time. Some of these guys aren't on social media. And it's sometimes even I find when we do social media with us, I don't necessarily like to tag them sometimes because I feel like they're sort of, you know, they're of a different era, right? They're not going out of their way to kind of, you know, promote themselves. Whereas I think a celebrity survive is a little bit different. You know, obviously they're, they're, you know, for the majority of these people, they're still in the public eye. They would, you know, a bit of publicity. They're used to it. That's their livelihood. And then I think when we get to Channel 10 season, you know, they are in a day and age of social media. So therefore it's going to be a little bit different. So um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I like to get any opportunity now to give these guys a plug because I will say like, maybe that sounded a little bit, uh, complaining that we didn't have as much time that that in no way was me having a complaint like I, I would have been happy to have a five minute interview with Fiona Horn if it means getting her on to talk about Survivor we're obviously very privileged that we we have this opportunity to speak to these people particularly so long after they were on the show this isn't you know a Channel 10 player who was on a year ago this is somebody who's on 15 years ago who barely has thought about being on Survivor until we open up this can walls we see that with everyone on season one that we got on the show so we we very much appreciate Fiona so we'd like to repay the favor in whatever way we can if that's getting her a couple of extra followers on Instagram selling a copy or two of a book uh, whatever we can do to help out so I I will I'll be the Molly Meldrum here and do yourself a favor and buy Fiona Horn's book I would have been happy with one minute with Ben Wynn oh god well that's all you get you'd have him on for three (laughs) hours but you'd get one minute worth of content you're like Ben you played this game you must be so good yeah it was good there you go we just had Ben Wynn on the show so uh Take it oh, off, Matt. So- Any luck with Matt- Ben anyway? Should I ask that right now? You all surprised nah. me randomly. No, nah, no more luck. Still still tracked him back to 2010, but we'll see what happens. But, Ben, what what, what does ASA have coming up in the next couple of weeks? Episode four uh, recap. We are next week. Uh, we, we heard, uh, obviously, uh, Fiona allude to there that uh, the next episode, uh, Amber goes and Amber goes. We get the Amber and David show, I believe, if not um, not mistaken, next week. Ten confessionals apiece, so plenty to go upon there. And we get, I don't know if I really touched on this last week, we get one of my favouritest challenges ever in any Survivor, but on this season in particular, because let me just let me just say this. If we are going to make a gif of this season that you were going to play over and over again, last season it was probably the Rob Dixon row, row, row your boat on the beach, which I thought was pretty funny. We're going to have the Justin Melvy impersonates a fly, uh, which is quite funny. So uh, get ready for Justin Melvy to be a fly. Because <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, this is something that should be used more and more often. Justin Melvy is a fly. Do you know what I'm talking about at oh. all, Matt? No, I don't because I'm actually – so I have watched this season obviously before but over a year ago, but I'm just watching them episode by episode as we go now. So that way it's nice and fresh in my mind. So I haven't actually watched this next episode you know, for over a year. So I'll be looking out for that. Justin Melby is a fly. Huh? Balance beam, arms flailing around like a fly. Let's just point it out that way. It's, we're going to have a lot of fun, I think, with that clip. But uh, after that, we will have Amber on – the following week and it was interesting actually to hear Fiona sort of talk about hey like hey like I got along really well with Amber 
Uh, so, uh, gonna be interesting. Obviously, we, we all said it countless times. Basically, this show's backdoor pilot was an interview with Amber. So, kind of, uh, you know, we'll be, I guess, retreading some of the content. But I think taking a different eye and approach when we get to Amber. And we'll talk a little bit more about this at the end of next week's recap episode when we tease the Amber interview. But uh, I think when we had her on at the beginning of this project, we hadn't really kind of done a whole lot in these interviews. And it was, it was a little bit different back then. So, we're going to go into this a little bit differently. I don't think either of you and I had really watched Celebrity Survivor recently when we interviewed Amber. We kind of just went over the dot points, whereas this time we can get into it a little bit more over Amber. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting her back on. This is our first, uh, I guess, return, uh, I, I guess, interview that wasn't on a reunion, essentially, Matt, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So this will be a, an interesting way to do it. Well, it's the first time... She- Amber will be on ASA because of True. course she was on she was on the Oz Network. But you so and I, we, our career as hosts well, together started it was, it with was Amber. Ben, it was my first my first interview. Oh, back to your first time, Matt. Oh, <laughs> here you go. But now look at, looking forward to um to, to of course chatting to Amber again and um yeah, Ben, we're we're starting to get through season season two. What are you looking forward to? I mean, it, it's good. I think so far if, if we if we stop it here in episode three and. I've already learnt so much, you know, I've yeah. already learnt so much just from, from talking to Kim, obviously talking to Fiona today. Hopefully one day we'll get to talk to Ben, but, um, you know, David Mason I thought was a, was a great interview as well. And, you know, I think we're just already learning so much. So it just sets it up perfectly for the, for the remaining interviews. And and the beauty of this, and we've always said this for this season, it, this is the least known season in terms of anything really for Australian Survivor be it fans just have wiped this from their memory they don't include this as a real season whatever but then even the the fans who do treat this or remember this season there's so little is known about this season so we're already you know several episodes in and we're learning a lot I mean things in this interview today as well the evacuation uh you know offer and and now we need to find out did the men really go to a hotel for a night I don't believe that's something that's ever been disclosed before we didn't even get to the green turd with Fiona you know she, does she know who the green turd is or anything along these lines so uh yeah no it's 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 fascinating we're, we're learning as we go along and you know this is always going to be the case with, with this season and I, I will say as well that um the social media aspect in terms of what we're putting out there and, and the interaction with the listeners has been fantastic we you know it's no surprise I think that people know we pretty much record these you know several weeks in advance for the most part sometimes even several months in advance you know hence how we kind of got away with talking about Andrew O'Keefe being a thing without getting cancelled and look what's happened since then but you know through that we kind of miss out on that interaction where we can kind of directly address what people are saying to us in the week of the episode and we'll try and catch we will do another listener question episode this season but uh you know there are little things that have come out like uh in in talking to uh i believe the name is his name is grim recapper on twitter and he uh, mentioned to me on through twitter that uh, Survivor and Big Brother aren't the only TV shows in the history of Australian TV to be on all three networks. Family Feud, The Price is Right. They are two other shows that have been on all three networks in Australian television history. And there was another one that he did mention to me, which at the top of my head is uh, slipping my mind. Uh, so uh, please, the grim recapper. Uh, actually, if I, I've got it right here in front of me. I've, I've done this quickly. Celebrity All-Star Squares is the other one that has been was on all was three Sylvan networks. Was Sylvan on that one? Uh, probably, I think probably one <laughs> KFC or something like that. So, um, yeah, so thanks to the Grim Recapper. And also I want to send out a special shout out to our uh, beloved Dez, who in no way is following this season. He flat out refuses to follow this season. Matt, he said he's going to tune in next season, 
but he still continues to give us his thoughts every week. So Des, <laughs> look forward to hearing your reasons why this season is illegitimate coming soon again. I like it though, because he, he backs me up and, and he's against you. So Des, <laughs> keep keep tweeting, keep keep messaging out there. I love it. <laughs> you now, can but- tell that the first interview next season is just going to be three hours of Des and I at each other's throats, right? I'll I'll, t- I'll be the referee now, Ben. <laughs> are we going to finish off with another Def FX oh, song? Do we have an? I don't think we had an, a choice. I, I liked last week. Um, I, mm. I want you to choose me another one, Matt. I, you're you're the one who knows these a little bit more than I do. Well, I'm pretty sure that her the second like the second hit, the second most sort of popular one that she had was Surfers of the Mind. So why don't we finish off with that one? May as well. Surfers of the Mind sounds good to me. We'll end that right now. And I will just obviously quickly take this opportunity, mentioning social media, Des, Grim Recapper, anyone like that have already done it. So you can do it too. You can be like the Grim Recapper. You can be like Des Quilty. Follow us on social media, Australian Survivor Archives. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're of course on YouTube. Uh, as I said earlier, obviously this part right now that you're listening to isn't on the video interview. So you're listening to this right now only on the podcast. Do yourself a favor, Molly Meldrum style, go and watch the YouTube clip of the Fiona interview to see everything that she's showing on there. And uh, obviously great to see that in person. But follow us, you'll stay up to date with everything, all our fun posts, uh, messages, tweet us. We, we read everything. We, we, we appreciate all the support. And we appreciate uh, you coming on this journey, learning about Australian survival with us. It's a lot of fun and we've got so much more to come and we're only getting started. I'll close it off before we go to deficit and let Matt have the final word again. My name is Ben... And I have no closing line, so let's go to Matt. <laughs> My name's Matt Dyson. Go and buy Fiona Horn's 14th book, Teen Magic. Like years away, my circle on a 30 foot wall. Sound, you don't have to come down, you don't have to.